This is our last sermon on the last things. So we've made a journey looking at some of these things. And by the way, we speak of last things. We speak of last things in relation to this life only. The Bible says the world as we know it is going to come to an end. But the believer and the unbeliever goes on to live forever and ever in that place in eternity that they're assigned by God. Now, last week we considered what the Bible says about hell. And when we talked about hell, one of the things we made clear is that in, in the perfect will of God, it is not God's will that anyone go to that place. The Bible says, Paul wrote in uh, ten, uh, Peter, Peter said, I believe it's 2 Peter 3, 9, where he said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so then in Romans 5, 8, Paul said, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God has done everything within his power. Nevertheless, should a person reject God's love, that person will spend eternity in a place of suffering, in a place of darkness, in a place of separation from God, in a place of fire. Uh, and so that's what the Bible teaches us. But today, we want to turn our attention to what the Bible says about heaven. And I want you to follow along. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. Some of them will be on the screen. Not all of them will be on the screen for you. But what the Bible says about heaven because that's where God wants us. That's the perfect will of God for each one of us, for everybody here. So number one, the heaven of which we speak is an uncreated heaven. Think about the heaven where God is. Does God live up in the sky somewhere? Does God live out somewhere beyond the stars? Is that where God is? Well, the, the, the heaven of which the Bible speaks for is an uncreated heaven. Let me explain that. In the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. And in the Bible, there are, there, there are tiers of heaven. There's the first tier, which is our atmosphere. That's the sky above us, the air that we breathe. And then there's the heaven of heavens, which is where the stars are. That's outer space. That's the entire universe. And then the Bible tells us about a third heaven. We'll look at that scripture in just a minute. But that's the realm where God lives. You say, now, Brother Eddie, where in the Bible do you see that? Well, let me first turn your attention to a passage out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah 9, 6, where Nehemiah acknowledges, he said, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the sea and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and the heavenly host bows down to you. We'll return to that verse in just a minute. Now, think about this now as we think about the heaven that we talk about being an uncreated heaven. God himself is uncreated. He doesn't live in a place that's created. Think about it. So first, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 
verse 18. We're going to refer a lot to this story around where Solomon, uh, when he prayed dedicating the temple, he acknowledged this. He said, but will God indeed dwell with mankind on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house which I've built. So we don't want to think that God, the God that we worship, is contained in some corner of the universe that he created. But the Bible speaks of a third heaven, another realm that exceeds our understanding that is the realm of God himself. And so Paul talked about that on one occasion in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, where he very prayerfully and humbly and carefully described an experience that we believe was his own. And this is what he said. He said, I know a man who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. In other words, to the very presence of God himself. In fact, if we go back to that verse in Nehemiah that we started with, Nehemiah 9, 6, you'll see all three tears in that verse. Let me read it to you again. You alone are the Lord. You made the heaven and the heavens of the heaven of heavens with all their hosts. The heaven, the heaven of heaven with all their hosts. And then he says, and all the heavenly hosts bow down to you. Or, in some translation, all the angels of heaven, the realm where you live, all the armies of heaven bow down to you. It's variously translated. So I've given you the biblical distinction between those places the Bible refers to as the heavens. But this morning, we're concerned with the heaven that is the home of God. And that's what we're trying to establish. Number two, heaven is a spiritual realm and not a physical realm. What's the difference between a spiritual realm and a physical realm? Well, <clears throat> I don't really know. And I don't think anybody else knows either. But Jesus told us in John chapter 4, when he was talking to the woman at the well, he said, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul also tells us, as we talked about in this study of last things, about the time when Jesus comes and all of us are caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Paul tells us that when that happens, when the bodies are raised and they're transformed, that we also have to be changed. This is what he said, three different verses from 1 Corinthians 15. He says, he's talking about the nature of the resurrection body. He said, it's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 44. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Verse 50 of that same chapter. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Then in verse 53, for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. So there's a difference between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. There's a lot that we don't understand even in our own physical universe. But when God talks about heaven, 
He's talking about a place not contained in the physical universe. Third, heaven is the home of God. Let me show you how the Bible refers to that over and over again throughout Scripture. First, in Genesis chapter 24, verse 7, Jacob calls him the Lord God of heaven, or Jehovah, the God of heaven. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15, Moses called on God saying, Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. He was talking about where God is. Psalm 11, verse 4, David wrote, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. And then the writer of Hebrews, in talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in chapter 9, verse 24, he said, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but where did Jesus go? Into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's where Jesus is in heaven. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, he said, we wait, we're waiting for Jesus. We're waiting for Jesus, the Son of God, from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who raised us from the wrath to come. And of course, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, that verse we've looked at over and over again throughout this series, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven. And Jesus, talking about how he got here to begin with, in John 6, 38, said, For I have come down uh, from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus came from heaven. He went back to heaven. Next, when God speaks to you and me, he speaks from heaven. Uh, Genesis chapter 21, verse 17, uh, the story of Abraham and Sarah. They had a handmaid named Hagar. She had a child named Ishmael. Sarah expelled them from her home they went out, they were suffering outside. Uh, think about the heat, a little child, a, a mother, no water, nothing that they needed. And the child was crying. And the Bible says, God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, from heaven, and said, what's the matter with you? Don't fear because God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. When Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, God told him to go to Mount Moriah. You'll remember that story. And Abraham took the knife, ready to, to, to kill Isaac in response to the command of God. Suddenly, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. But God not only speaks to other people from heaven, God spoke to you from heaven. If you have followed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if there was a day that you heard Jesus speaking to your heart, He didn't speak to you because He was sitting on the pew beside you. Oh, His presence is here, yes. He spoke to you from heaven. How do we know that? Well, the Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, 
holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. All of us have received a call that came from heaven, that came from the very throne of God to our hearts. And then when Jesus was baptized, you remember the story. Out of the heavens a voice came, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's not just the sky. That's not just the upper heavens, the universe, but out of heaven itself. So next, when God, when we pray, when you and I pray, where is God when He hears us? He hears us from heaven. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon was dedicating the temple, I told you we're going to look at several verses from that episode. Solomon's dedicating the temple. They just built it, the very first temple. Solomon wants God to bless it with his presence. And so the Bible says when Solomon had finished praying, he was talking to God, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. That was so special to Solomon. He counted it such a special experience, but he also knew people. He knew people. They're just like us. They were then. They still are today. He said, God, we might not always be in this position. It might be that we sin and we find ourselves separated from you, that you're not blessing us anymore. And he said, is there a chance that if that ever happens, that your people might repent of their sins and return to you? And this is what God said. This is where we get 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, that verse that some of you know very well. And God responded to Solomon and said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. David wrote in Psalm 20, verse 6, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, He said, Again I say unto you that if two of you agree about anything on agree on earth about anything that they may ask, if you and I agree on earth about anything that we may ask. He said, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. And in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus taught us, he said, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So God speaks from heaven. He hears from heaven and God rules from heaven. One of the best instances about talking about God's sovereignty over the realm of men, God rules all the kingdoms of the earth. He rules the White House. He rules the Kremlin. He rules whatever nation there is on the earth and whatever kind of government they have, the, the, the parliament in, in, in England, God's in control of all of it. And so there was this king in the Old Testament whose name was Nebuchadnezzar. He came very proud because God had, had given him the ability to be a good leader, to be a 
to be a great king. He had blessed him with wealth. He had blessed him with power, but he became arrogant. And so God sent judgment to Nebuchadnezzar, and he said to him, uh, he had this dream, and Daniel was interpreting the dream. Daniel said, it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree. Your kingdom, which is about to be taken away from you, he said, will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. God rules the universe, all that's in it, from heaven. Look, he rules everything we know about and everything we don't know about from heaven. God is sovereign over his creation. And so Nebuchadnezzar ultimately found that out. And in, in Daniel 4, verse 37, Nebuchadnezzar said, I praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his ways are true and just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. One of the greatest passages of scripture that presents this idea that God is ruling from heaven is in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written when God's people, at a time when God's people were very, very, very discouraged. They were suffering. They were suffering persecution. And it seemed to them, it seemed to the churches in John's day as if God was not in control. It may well seem to us that way one day. And, but in the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, John said, verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And of course, that was the Lord on the throne. Now all of these things you already know, we're just putting them in an orderly form as a series of proofs to show you what the Bible clearly says about heaven. Next, heaven is the future home of God's people. It's my future home and your future home if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus. How do you know this will be true? Well, listen to what Paul said. Do you believe the Apostle Paul? You think Paul knew where he was going? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Paul said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And then Peter, as he was trying to describe to us our hope and the security that we have as believers in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Where did Paul think he was going to spend eternity? Just think about that. What did Paul say? Did Paul say, well, you know, I'm going to have a, uh, a cabin somewhere on a, on a mountain, uh, wherever this... Uh, Wherever, whatever it is that happens. This is what Paul clearly said. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, For our citizenship is 
in heaven, out of which we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the book of Revelation, as John sees various groups of people, uh, believers, where does he see them? Revelation chapter 19, verse 1, John said, After this, after these things, I heard something like, like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. And then in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, he sees this group who've come out of the great tribulation. And he said that somebody asked him, Who are these? And where have they come from? And he was answered. He, they said, These are they who come out of the great tribulation. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. And they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They're in heaven. So our, 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 our home is in heaven, our future home. Finally, our hope, our hope as believers is in heaven and out of heaven. Listen to the writer of Hebrews describe this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. He said, this hope that we have is an anchor of the soul. You know what an anchor is? Uh, in, in, in the olden days, what they did with an anchor, the big ship would put, a, put out a little boat. They'd put the anchor in the little boat. The little boat would carry uh, the anchor into the harbor so that when the tide rose, the ship would be carried safely into the harbor. And so he says, we've got an anchor. And let me tell you where that anchor is. He said, this hope that we have as an anchor of the soul is one that's sure and steadfast and one that enters into the veil. And the veil that he's talking about is the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And he's talking about the holy of holies in heaven. That anchor's in heaven. Our hope is in heaven. And it's going to get us there. We're going to be there safely. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Because of the hope, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the truth of the gospel. He said, when I preached the gospel, I told you about heaven and the hope that you have of heaven. And Paul said, it's out of heaven that we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps the most precious Verses in the Bible are verses about heaven where Jesus talking to his disciples when they were worried and afraid about what was going to happen. He told them that he was going to die. He was going to the cross. They were so uncertain. And he said to them, he said to them, John 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also." Where is that? Well, that's in the Father's house where there are many dwelling places. 
That's not the only place in the Bible where anybody had that hope. You go back to the 23rd Psalm, the last verse of the 23rd Psalm, David thinking about the goodness of God and the love of God and the shepherding of God said, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, but in the forever I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's heaven. That's the perfect will of God for every person who would hear him and respond to him. We've given you a clear contrast between the two places, heaven and hell. Think about it just a moment now. Hell is a place where people are tormented day and night, forever and forever. And heaven is a place where there's no suffering of any kind. Hell is a place of separation from God, but heaven is the very place of God's presence. Hell is a place of darkness, but of heaven it said there's no night there. Hell is a place of weeping and wailing, constantly people crying, but heaven is a, is a place that's described where the collective tears of all the years are wiped away from our eyes. God knows which place He wants you to go, but you still have to choose. Today, you might hear God speaking to your heart. You might sense that God is calling you. Remember, when God speaks, He speaks from heaven. He's issuing you a heavenly calling. He's issuing you an invitation to come and live with Him forever and ever in His home in heaven. That's an invitation that you need to accept. Let's pray.